0: Greg, this is our first podcast of 2021. It is. Welcome to the pre-show of 2021. Welcome to the pre-show. You remember our last episode back in 2020? With Chin? I said to you, Greg, I'm not going to see you till next year. And you said to me, Kareem, it's, it's, it's next week. We're, we're going to talk next week. That's correct. But we never did did do a podcast. Yes, we did, actually. We spoke, but we didn't do a
1: podcast. No, we did not do a podcast.
0: We did not. (laughs) So, since we last met, Neil Young has come into, reportedly, an extra $150 million.
1: By selling?
0: By selling 50%. Of his, uh, what, what would what would the proper term be? He's not he didn't sell fifty percent of his songs, um, but he sold ownership, fifty percent ownership of his music. I guess. Yep. To uh, I don't know who the I can't remember the name of the company, but he sold it to someone who apparently is a big Neil Young fan. And so Menaz and I were speaking about this.
1: You bought the other fifty percent.
0: Well, you know, we got a mortgage in place. But what she said was, she said something to the effect of, do you still like him? Because he sold out. Like, what do you mean? He goes, well, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's. You start to twitch? Yeah, I said, what? (laughs) So your thoughts on, on these, um, these aging rockers selling their publishing rights, or selling, basically selling their music.
1: Well, I mean, at this stage, it, it, there's there's a couple of questions. One, did he need to? Okay, don't know, don't know, don't know. I, I as you know, I'm not a big enough Neil Young fan to know his personal. He financial. doesn't.
0: He doesn't have his ranch anymore. Okay. We know that.
1: Um, you know that. He has sold,
0: he has sold, I think he's sold a bunch of his cars. He had a bunch of these old cars that he, you know, play around with. and Yeah. Um, he has spent, I'm assuming, a lot of resources on Neil Young archives. Um, I don't know if anyone with a that. space myspace collect- of Neil Young? The, no, I would say it's the Google of Neil Young. Okay. Um, MySpace, I think you're only allowed five songs on there or five friends or whatever. I have no idea. This this is like everything. I have no idea. Everything Neil Young. So so maybe he does, and I know at least one of his kids uh, still needs 24-7 medical attention and care Mm -hmm. and um so maybe he does
1: yeah so then the other thing too and we've discussed this with uh when we were talking about zappa a month back or so yeah
0: um
1: you know it's also a way to or could it be a way to try to dictate Uh what does and does not happen with your music by contractually obligating the purchaser I don't to, do, know, s-
0: to do certain things with it
1: to do or not do
0: yeah, what was interesting is is apparently Neil um never allowed his music to be played for like commercials and things like that, and so apparently, this deal includes this. You know, can't, you know, so I'm wondering, like, what does. That's what I'm saying. So, That's so, what I'm saying. so then the question becomes, if I were to, if, if I, if it was me who purchased the music. And I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to use it for commercial purposes. Then what am I using it for?
1: Well, you still assume getting revenue from plays, spins, sorry, as the cool kids would say. Yeah, yeah. As as you, you would say.
0: Yeah. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery.
2: I'm good. How are you guys? Hello. We are well. How are you? Good. Good. Sorry about the confusion with the uh, performance thing. I'm, I'm actually in Newfoundland right now, and I was hoping to bring all of the gear. Like, we were planning on driving, and then it was weather. It was a whole thing, so we ended up flying, and I left, like, all Whoa. of the gear I wanted to bring in Toronto. So okay. I'm a little limited in, in my gear, so I, I appreciate your flexibility on it.
0: No problem. I, I heard you wanted to sing and just play on your desk, some percussion. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. Is that what Ola said?
0: That's, you know, I'm hearing.
2: Oh. Somewhere. Well, you know, just... I do have these uh, shakers here, so, you know. There you go. Raw performance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Meg, um, before we get started, we'd like to start off the podcast um, with you introducing yourself. And if you could then say the name of our podcast. Sure. Which is Welcome to the Music.
2: Right. Sounds good? Yep. Yeah, so, like, um, hi, this is Meg Warren and welcome to the music.
1: Yeah. Perfect. And if you, if you want to add a little bit about what, maybe what you do.
2: Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay,
2: this is a random person named Meg. And- yeah. <laughs> this podcast
0: awesome so whenever you are ready
2: great i'll just say it okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm meg warren i'm a singer-songwriter from newfoundland slash toronto and you're listening to welcome to the music
1: Welcome. Perfect. Excellent. Well done.
2: <laughs> great.
0: Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. This is great.
0: No, no worries. So you're you're in Newfoundland.
2: Right now, yes. Yep. I got here. I'm in quarantine right now. Okay. Um, this is day 10 of the quarantine. So I got here after Christmas and uh, we're here for a few months. Actually, we're, we're, it's kind of a temporary relocation. So... Um, yeah, we'll see. Apparently, like the case numbers of COVID are very low in Newfoundland. So the okay. restrictions are much different um, than Toronto, where I've been for the past 11 months. So, or I mean, really the past five, six years, but yeah. in addition to. So, um, yeah, I'll see what it's like when I'm out of quarantine.
0: Okay, so relocation, You're, you're you've decided to move back or this is... Yeah, just for
2: a few months. It's temporary. Yeah. 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 I mean, I try to get back to Newfoundland at least twice a year um, with work, uh, you know, performing and all that. It tends to be more frequently than that. Um, But, you know, I'm usually home for at least uh, a couple weeks in August and then again over Christmas. So um, not being able to do that. It's actually been a full year since the last time I was here. Um so it that's the longest I've ever gone in my life without being here. So it's like a dream to be here right now. Wow.
0: So I have a question I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um Greg and I were just talking earlier about um a, a lot of these uh rock stars, aging rock stars, let's call them, are beginning are to- Are you calling s-
1: Megan aging rock star?
0: No.
2: Is that wow. the cutoff? Is 33 ages wow. now?
0: Oh,
2: oh holy
0: God. cow
2: Jeez. on the wrong foot. <laughs> That's it. Oh no. See, oh, Meg, no.
0: what I have to deal with every single Tuesday. <laughs> every Tuesday, like it. I've good. got a deal with Greg Chilson, <laughs> <laughs> who by the way, has been blocked by more rock stars than I have. So Oh, nice! That will tell you something.
2: <laughs> That's good. I like that.
0: But here's the quest. The question what? The question is. So, uh, you know, we have people like Neil Young, um, who are selling portions, if not all of their music, um, to these to these corporations, um, and, and Greg and I were discussing earlier. You know, what's the reason they're doing this? Um, and so I just wanted to sort of get your, your thoughts on, I I don't know if you have them on on this or not, but your thoughts on, on what we've been seeing over the past few months.
2: Like, uh, so sorry, I I think I might be a little out of the loop. So Neil Young is like selling, um, his music for like,
0: yeah, so he sold 50% of his music for reportedly $150,000, $150,000. $150 Hundred fifty million dollars. Mm. Um, did Dylan yeah. do something similar?
2: Right. I've, I yeah. It's yeah. Coming back to me now. I remember hearing about this. I think that there's something um, like within the. I don't know. I don't know enough about this to kind of talk out of my butt right now. But I feel like there's like um, some sort of ownership thing that is like for some reason the way the economy of the industry is now it's like a good time for outside organizations Mm. to come in and buy these catalogs i don't know enough about it to know the reasons why yeah but i guess if the question is like you know um is neil young selling out or anything i like i find it hard to think of I mean Neil Young is like a multi multi millionaire so he's a bad example but I guess my general rule is that like as a musician in 2021 I don't know if there's any such thing mm-hmm. really I mean obviously you know you got to keep in in uh, line with your morals and values and not do anything mm-hmm. that exploits other people mm-hmm. but like it's really hard to make a living as an artist and as a musician so like I think that maybe what was looked at 10 15 20 years ago as like selling out yeah you know selling your your music for placements or commercials again obviously if it's like an organization that you don't believe in then that's questionable but you know it's um it's hard for most musicians not Neil Young I think he's doing okay but most of us are um you know just trying to make a living
1: to that to that point to that point how are you Pivoting during these times, you know what I mean?
2: Well, that's a good question. Um, the past couple of years or so, I have um, taken up uh, production and engineering, mm. and originally that kind of happened like organically because I uh, had left the the band I was in, and I was working mm. independently, and I was at a point where I was like, okay, I'd like to record some music, but I can't afford to hire an engineer or producer or like you know, I, it's just, it's really expensive to make music. So I was like, you know, ideally it'd be great if I could build on the skills that I already have, you know, the years of experience being in a studio and being in a band and being around studios and gear and all that stuff. Like I, I kind of was fortunate to have that foundation. So I was like, maybe if I kind of hunker down, I can, um, look, like pivot or, you know, kind of have these two parallel things at once. I can be an artist and I can also be a producer engineer. And then I was like, you know it's also a great way to make money. Like I think that many artists these days are you know, we kind of have to look at a bunch of different ways to make a living, a bunch of different income sources and um, it's helpful to kind of have both of these skills like i've I've found that as an artist, it's been really helpful for me to be able to like articulate more clearly to a producer that I'm working with what I want, or to just be able, like with the A Thousand Ways EP, like I had done a lot of that stuff on my own before I brought it to Dan. So there's like certain elements that I had recorded in my basement in Toronto that stayed on the EP. And, you know, like I was able to edit all my own vocals and tune all my own vocals and stuff. So like that, those are skills that I don't have to outsource, I can do on my own. So I know exactly how I want them done. And, and it was like convenient to be able to do both. So I guess, you know, I'm, I have pivoted slightly but it was a, a turn I was kind of already making.
0: Interesting. Meg, I want, I'm curious about, you know how producers come in and who works with them. Um, you know how artists get connected to different people, engineers, producers and mixers and such. Um, you know and you deciding that, you know, number one, you know it, it was it would be better for you to know this rather than outsource it. Um, and then you starting to you know drive business for yourself through doing it for other people. So when you when you work with artists, do the artists reach out to you? Is it a label that reaches out to you? You know, I understand that the artist is your client, but how does the business side of things work there?
2: Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to say right now, like the whole industry is just like flipped on its head. So I think normally it would be like, you know, going to shows and talking to bands afterward, um, you know like meeting people on the road kind of networking naturally and not just virtually you know like networking in person like we've done for years and years um that's like a a a key way like it really depends on who you talk to in my experience uh the clients that I've had are people that I know um and people that know my music so um you know Fortunately, when I started talking about um, being a producer in engineering and stuff, it was um, like people knew, I guess, my background as an artist, so um, maybe were interested because of that. Um, but I guess, like, I mean, I haven't really um, put a lot of time and energy into looking for clients, and I think that I'm I'm actually on the cusp of that now. Like, I think that I'm. I'm just finishing up my like portfolio and, and, um, I, my, I have a client that has, uh, a, I produced an EP with her over the like last year and a half. And the first single of that EP is coming out on Friday. So I'm trying to, um, you know, like make sure that when all that stuff happens, I have like a website portfolio and all that stuff. So people can kind of reach out to me that way. But, um, It really depends. I mean, I think when you are like higher up and um, like a well-known producer, there probably are record labels that like if they have artists will kind of put you in a certain direction. I remember being in my last band, Repartee, and our manager would would suggest these producers to us and people that we didn't know because we had just moved to Toronto from Newfoundland, right? So I guess it kind of depends.
0: Yeah, interesting. Mm. Um, Let's talk about your musical journey. You you grew up in Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the first song you listened to that captured you?
2: Hmm. It. I mean, I remember like I loved like Disney stuff when I was a little okay. kid. Like <laughs> like I listened to uh, the Little Mermaid and and like pestered my mom to put me in voice lessons and stuff when I was like five and six and then. I remember um, coming out. So I grew up in a, like a smaller town, and I remember coming out to St. John's and going to um, – it wasn't Sam the Record Man, but CD Plus maybe? It's like an old CD store. I don't know if the chain exists at all anymore. But anyway, I bought the, um, the No Doubt tape, the Tragic Kingdom tape. And I was obsessed with that tape. I had like worn off the writing on it and I just wanted to be Gwen Stefani when I was a little kid. So like, that's like my first memory of really, wow. Like I remember watching the spiderwebs video on much music and just like, I don't know, it like struck something in me. I was like, what is this? This song is so amazing. I was like obsessed with the whole album.
0: Wow. And at the age of five, you're already asking for vocal coaching.
2: Yeah, I was, I was pretty young, like five or six. And I remember like the teacher in my hometown was like, told my mom that I was a little too young. And then um, I kept asking. And um, yeah, I guess I, I, I did start like it was classical, right? Like that was that's kind of my background is like, yeah, um, I don't know if you guys know the Kiwanis Music Festival mm-hmm. it's like of a, yeah. yeah so I never know what my like what people outside of Newfoundland like because it's such a big thing here um, and I know it's a national thing as well but it like most people that I knew that were into music in my hometown um, had some sort of connection with Kiwanis so that was like like I did all the classes and then um, I studied classical music in university, so that was my world up until I started my last band.
1: Where'd you where you go to for uni?
2: Uh, Memorial University, oh, yeah. St. John's. Yeah. yeah.
0: Class. So, how does how do you get from classical music to starting a like a pop synth band?
2: Mm. Um, well, it was, (laughs) I was like, I think it was like, born out of, like, I basically hit a brick wall with my classical studies. And I wanted to move forward as like an opera singer, like that was my plan. That was what I was going to do. And then I hit a bunch of obstacles. Like in my second year, I didn't Um, I auditioned to do like the performance undergrad and I wasn't successful. And then in my last year, I was like not doing great. Um, and I was frustrated. And then also like, I guess kind of fortuitously at the time, there was this, um, organization, it's a national or actually it's an international organization. I think it was like started in the States and they have this thing called the RPM challenge. I have no idea what RPM stands for but it's like basically rotations
0: a, per minute. It's a music thing. I don't know.
2: Oh, maybe that's what it, <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs>
1: that's see what our guests have to put up with.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, Believe me. And uh, they um, it's like this challenge where you're like, supposed to write and record an entire album in the month of February. And so, this was the February of my last term in university, and my partner suggested it. And I was, you know, really intimidated by the whole band thing. Like, I was, I just was much more comfortable in the classical world. And I loved going to shows, but I never thought that it was something that I was going to do. And then I tried out the RPM thing, which is something per minute, as you just explained. And um, <laughs> I've forgotten it already. <laughs> anyway I didn't even finish the challenge like I just kind of started writing and I was like whoa this is really cool even though it's like completely different than my classical background I just liked it a lot and I you know I was like okay never mind this challenge but I'll like I liked the band that had started and and um I think I kind of just liked enjoyed it every step of the way like it wasn't like I'm really mad at this classical thing. And it wasn't like a a conscious decision to kind of flip and go into a completely different lane. But um, organically, I guess that's just kind of how it happened.
0: Uh Ah, do you still sing opera like in the shower or?
2: No, I like, No? no, I, I completely abandoned it. And I think I had like some like baggage about it for a while and, and, I have an affection for it. Like I have an affection for a lot of classical music and stuff now, but I don't, um, I don't know if I can sing it anymore. It's a complete, like I had to learn how to sing differently. Right. It's like a completely different approach to singing. Um, and tell us about
0: that. How is it, how is it, how is it, I I know it sounds different, Hmm. but how is it like the application of singing? How is it different from like, how is pop music and singing opera different from from your perspective
2: well I think that I I don't know if this is just like my own personal experience but I certainly remember maybe it was just like the specific profs that I had or the specific teachers that I had that it was like incredibly frowned upon to kind of sing like most other genres like I remember even the profs at university kind of frowning on musicals and kind of framing in a way framing it in a way that was like this is harmful to your voice and you're gonna lose your voice and you're you know like it's not only is it like distasteful technique but it's like gonna damage you in some way so I think that for a long time I was just like I didn't I was like worried about damaging my voice or something and then I like got to this point, like I mentioned in, in my classical studies where like, I just kind of hit a wall and I wasn't like, I had like a lot of technical issues and tension issues that I couldn't overcome. And so I like in working with a band, I kind of took a bit of this, like not actually, but like a punk rock approach where I was just like, Mm -hmm. I got nothing to lose, you know, like I'm just gonna, I'm already, you know, potentially damaging my voice as it is. So maybe I'll just try, you know, yelling or you know, like belting or whatever. And it took me a while to get out of the mindset. Like if you, <laughs> like if I go back and listen to like my early demos, it is very clearly like a, an opera singer trying to sing something else, and it really it doesn't sound very good. But it's like it just kind of took me a while to have that shift my mindset into like. Man, I don't know if what everything that they told me—I don't know how accurate it was. I don't know if I'm damaging my voice. Like, I, I, it was just much more, much less refined. Like, I
1: think I—I I, I would think too. It's—it's it's finding your own voice. I mean, yes. I was classically trained on piano hmm. and played for years. Nice. You know, in bands and stuff, and uh, you know, they're very two two very different things. One is very structured. One is very you are going to play it like yes. Bach wanted you to play it. Yep. And then. Yeah, our voice.
2: Exactly. I would assume like with piano, um, you know, like when you switch from a classical mindset, which is like you said, like so refined, it's hard sometimes to lift your head from the notes on the page and stuff. And then all of a sudden you're transported into this environment where it's like, you know, you kind of have to just play bait, like octaves in the left hand. Like it's a completely different mm-hmm. mindset, right? It's like yep. the same as, as voice. I think you're right there.
1: And and I think I I think too. I mean, the, the challenge I personally had as a musician was, um, my my buds who were not classically trained could improvise on a dime. I had to work to improvise.
2: Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a a common thing. Like, you know, I um, also have like a bit of piano background, and like the idea of. Um, yeah improvising and even like with ear training and stuff like the stuff that uh like I had to work really hard to to do any sort of sight reading but there were other people that I knew that was like they would just sit down and read it and it would be fine now what you're obviously what you're talking about is the opposite of that but it's true I think there's like certain people that are very good in structure and that kind of like rigidity with that music and it can be really hard then to kind of break out and do things with less structure and
1: Wow. It's 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 interesting you say that because I had a bud in um high school, last two years of high school, and the guy was a stoner, but good musically, like 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 could play. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get my grade piano in the next two years. I'm like, No, you're not. No, you're not. And he did. Hmm. So to your point of there are people that can just sit down and look at a she music and just yeah. play it. And how might like, like I just by the end of the second year, I'm like, buddy, hats off to you. Like what yeah. you just pulled yeah. off is unbelievable. It's
2: I don't know how human. I don't know how people exist that way. Like there's a I know I'm off on a tangent here now, but yeah. there's a, a, a guy that I went to school with who was like that. Like I don't think he was a stoner, but he was just like he accompanied everybody because He would sit down in front of the piano and get these, like, really complicated, like, foray pieces. And, like, he would just sit down and play it. And I studied piano for, like, 12 years. And it would take me, like, an hour just to read the right hand of the same piece of music. And he would just go, you know, it's just... It's wild yeah. how that works differently. Yeah, I don't
1: know before. why I mentioned he was a stoner. It just, I just it sort of stuck. <laughs> up to <me> as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: the impression he made. So, <laughs> Meg, as
0: as as a producer, um, are you do you find yourself being structured, or do you are you able to now let go both as a performer and as someone who's uh, you know behind the scenes sort of thing?
2: Um, well, I think that. Like there is definitely a technical element of production that I don't think exists in quite the same way as a songwriter or as an artist, Um, and I think that that's the side of it that intimidated me for a really long time because I don't consider myself like a techie person or even like a like a math kind of um, problem solving person. Um, like, I, I, you know, kind of consider myself, like, more of, like, a creative, artsy, flowy kind of person uh, when it comes to making music. Um, and so, like, I think in some ways there definitely is that structure, but I think that the, the you know, once you get, uh, like, a competent understanding of what you're doing, I think there's, like, a basic level of, of like, competency that you need to have uh, in terms of the technical stuff in being a producer. I think that sometimes in production and engineering, you can kind of go too far down the the rabbit hole of of structure and rigidity. And that's when I think, you know, a lot of us get lost in like the, the um, excitement of like new gear and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I think that um, sometimes I try to, bring a bit more of like a creativity to like the, the structured side, if that makes any sense. Cause it's like sure. the best producers I know do that. Like when I was working with Dan oh. for the thousand ways EP, like he was like, listen, I can like, he obviously knew his stuff like very, very well and knew a lot of technical stuff that I still don't really understand. And at the same time he was like, you know, like not really not precious about gear or like, um like he, the amps that we were using were like these old amps that he had basically modified himself and like taken the speakers out and filled it with something else. And like, you know, like one of them, like we had to jim, Jimmy the patch cable to like, you know, like it was like, mm-hmm. and I, I really appreciate that approach. Like, I think that it's, again, like as long as you have like the basic you know, foundation of the, of the structured technical stuff. I love it. And I think it's a really, um, a good quality to have as a producer to, to kind of be able to be flexible outside of that.
0: Okay. So this, let's go back to the RPM, Mm. uh, competition. Um, how many songs did you end up writing?
2: (laughs) I don't know. Like, by the end of February it might have been like two or three. Oh, okay <laughs> yeah it wasn't a full album at all but it was okay, enough no. to kind of like prompt me like I downloaded oh. some like free music recording software I have mm-hmm. no idea what it was and just like kind of getting in there and playing and being like oh this is like a fun because like I I had always written but I didn't write like a lot of songs like most of it was like just kind of like content, classical, contemporary, I guess, like kind of like um, instrumental stuff. Okay. And so having the, like this idea of like, okay, I'm going to sit down and like write lyrics and write a song and do that whole thing. Like I loved when I started doing it, I loved it. And then I was like, okay, well maybe I'll just, I won't finish the RPM, but I'll keep doing this. Cause I really like it. And then, I formed a band with a couple of my buddies and um, that was so February was the RPM challenge. And then we played our first show in July of that year. So it was like huh. a span of like four or five months later.
0: And this is Repartee? Yes. Okay. So right away, your first band.
2: Yes.
1: Nice. A lot of
2: mm-hmm. success. And I read something with... about it being a, being a,
1: not an accidental band, but it's sort of, was, am I right with that? Did I read something about It, it was sort of just, it came together like, it wasn't a planned thing or, or maybe I'm mistaken.
2: Uh, Oh, it was definitely planned. Like it was, but we did have like a bunch of membership changes up until about 2012. Um, and yeah, so like the band that I started with in 2009 was three completely different people than what it ended with in, in Mm -hmm. 2017.
0: Sounds like broken social scene.
2: Right. (laughs) Plowing through all these members.
0: Um, did the so I I want to I am curious what happened to these two to three songs? <laughs> did you were they like yeah this is just teenage angst let's put it aside or did you take them and did were they part of the you know repartee
2: repertoire? No. no, not no. at all. Okay. Like oh. I like I was I was not very good. Like it took me a while to. I think like get skills as a songwriter. Like I really was not, I don't know if I would even go back and listen to it now. I think it'd be hmm. too fringy. Um, so you don't I, you remember know. the lyrics? Um,
0: uh, You remember the lyrics. Okay, Meg, here's what we like. <laughs> say, like say a few of the lines of that first song.
2: Uh. Don't know when I'll be back, and then the that was the call, and then the answer was, "What you saying when you're spinning?" Like it was just like I don't even know if I finished that song, but that's the only thing I remember. Like it didn't even make any sense.
0: Look, the, the, some of the biggest pop songs are call and response songs. So, like uh-huh. you already had,
2: I had a ten percent of an idea.
0: You're you're like you're yeah, you're on the it's cusp of it. something huge. No. Yeah, Gosh, I don't know. Serious? I thought I, that's amazing. <laughs> Your bar is very low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I just I, I welcome I mean, to the I, music. Love, yeah,
2: <laughs> I love it.
0: Kareem's favorite songs are calling response songs. <laughs> so. Repartee, How long? How long did uh, did that band last?
2: From two thousand and nine until twenty seventeen. So eight years.
0: Eight years. You guys had some success, like pretty, mm-hmm. like really yeah. good
2: success. Yeah, yeah.
0: Bunch of awards, uh, mm-hmm. East Coast awards. I think like a National Indie Award.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um.
0: As as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Um.
0: T- tell me, like one of the things that Greg and I love to hear is like stories from the road. Mm. um you guys you guys were based out of predominantly was it toronto or newfoundland
2: so it was kind of both um okay in 2015 i moved to toronto myself and the drummer moved to toronto okay um and then uh the other bandmates followed like I don't remember honestly my memory with this stuff is a little fuzzy maybe like six months to a year after so we there was a period of time when we were kind of half in toronto and half in newfoundland sure. um and then eventually we were all in toronto um for like a year before we parted ways
0: Fav- favorite dive bar you played in do you remember
2: we played a bunch we played a lot of dive bars yeah. um, <laughs> Maybe the barfly in Montreal was pretty great. Um, we played. Do you guys know the old Rancho Relaxo that used to be on College Street? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like upstairs, North side So there. Yep. yeah, um, we played there on my birthday one year. I think in like 2012. And the sound tech was this like very lovely man, and I remember he had like long gray hair and a ponytail, and he played the flute. And he came up on stage and played the flute with us for like our last song. Yeah, that was pretty great.
0: That's (laughs) amazing. Yeah. And any, um, any, any, there seems to be a lot of horror stories.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. that's,
0: That's the rite of passage, right?
2: It definitely is. Yeah. And like we toured pretty regularly from 2011 to 2017. So I feel like I've got a few of those. Like there was one, um, ecma showcase that we did that for some reason we played at like 10 a.m at like a a, like a community center during like a breakfast and i remember (laughs) like that was a bit of a disastrous performance for a couple reasons my so my mom made like a lot of my stage costumes and they were like really beautiful elaborate costumes and just like loved to dress up like a a superhero and she made this dress that had like these really long like kind of wizard sleeves and they were like long and flowy and I remember at one point during that set um my sleeve accidentally unplugged my synth so I was like and I didn't realize it until there was like this old song that we did And like the synth part was like the only thing playing. And I went to go play this part and I was like, what happened? And I realized that my sleeve had actually pulled the power cable out of the back. (laughs) And also during that set, there was like a child, like a very young child who was like a toddler who like was in the front and like just doing this the whole time. We were like, okay, maybe our music is like not suited to 10 a.m. community hall breakfast. Um,
0: Yeah, Uh, I was going to ask whether you you went unplugged for that event and just had a couple of guitars, just a and nice, so soft music to get people awake.
2: I mean, we We, literally, I literally became unplugged. You, yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you just went all at it
1: during that time. During the time of that band, I know somebody who remembers having good memories of singing and belting out, I believe she said, 80s and 90s tunes with you at Mallard Cottage. (gasps) I currently work with Megan McDonald. Go away! And she, yeah...
2: Wow. You,
1: I, we, I was hoping to get her on the call, but she's doing her master's, uh, master's of wine right now. So she's oh. on a call. I was going to hope to get her in the sneaker in. To, to, is she in to Toronto now? She is, yeah.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why she,
1: she remembers you guys belting out tunes together.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I remember. Like, yeah, just, like after every... um Because I can't remember if she was a bartender or a server. I had like a couple of different jobs in that restaurant. Yeah. And... Um, We, like, at the end of the shifts, like, the kitchen and everybody, while we were all, like, closing and cleaning up, they would, like, blast, like, yeah, 80s and 90s jams and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah.
1: Anyway, she says hello.
2: Oh, God love her. Say hello for me.
0: This is what we do on the show, Meg. We bring people. People people from your
1: past. We sort of bring them on.
2: Oh, God. Please don't. Bring any more people from my past. grade
1: three teacher that's about to come on next. That's <laughs> oh <good>. no! <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: We have twenty minutes left Sweet. with you.
2: This is fun.
0: Thank you. Yeah. um How hard was it to break up?
2: It was very difficult. Um, yeah, it was. It was like I think you know obviously 2020 was a very difficult year, but I really believe sure, that 2017 means. was the hardest year of my life when that breakup happened. It was, it was devastating. Cause it was, you know, not only was I losing the band and what that meant, but I also was like losing my livelihood, losing my work, losing like up until that point, the band was like, you know, most of my identity. So if you look at your life as like a, a table with four legs. Like my table was basically just like one of those nightstands with one big giant leg. And yeah. then, uh, I left and yeah, it was really hard.
0: Was that like, was that a decision that, you know, you needed to leave to grow, to do your own thing? Was it the band was going nowhere at the time? Like, no, was, the,
2: what, I mean, the band was like doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dukes had just come out, in like April of 2016 and we were still very much riding on that wave um I it was definitely it was a combination of many many things um I think my thought process at the time was I was struggling with depression and basically kind of hit a point where I was like I can't really function and I was the leader of that band. End. and I don't know what I'm not going to ask what your personal experiences are with mental illness but when you're not well it's very mm-hmm. hard to make decisions like big decisions that involve multiple people so huh. um, I didn't really know I guess like how else to cope other than leave like that was kind of my top priority I was like I have to I can't function this way anymore and like there was a lot of things that were happening within the band that like wasn't healthy for me. Like it wasn't, I'm a, I'm a much different musician now. Like I, I approach things very differently in the sense that I, you know, before I, I was working obsessively and uh, like desperately kind of I, a lot of times I was like driven by desperation and not necessarily like, um, motivation to to work at something. I mean, obviously, you know, I I think I have a good work ethic, but when I was scared to like, you know, not, um, I don't know, take a day off or something, it it really um, affected me mentally. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that was just the bottom line. I I wasn't functioning, so I I had to take some time away to get better.
0: Was it the pressure of, you know, you knew you were the head of the band, that you needed to perform not just for you but for other people like they relied on you
2: i think it, i think it was more the pressure of feeling responsible for yeah. other people yeah. um like feeling like okay i know that i'm not doing well but if i leave right now i am letting all of these people down and yeah. you know like that's the thing like a band is like i think if i had if I went back in time and if I told my younger self any piece of advice, it would be like a band is like a very complicated relationship. And a lot of bands that I've spoken to over the years say that it's like a marriage and it is that level of commitment. Like I I had one of my, one of my closest friends was going through a divorce at the time. And there were like, so many parallels and then I felt bad being like comparing my band breakup to the breakup of her marriage. But like, there were a lot of parallels. Like I was in a legal agreement with these guys. Like it was, and like, we had all moved to Toronto and it was like, you know, we were all in, it was like a very, um, tight, uh, the ties were really tight and, and like deeply woven. So it, it was, really hard to kind of detangle myself from that.
0: And how are you now?
2: I'm definitely better. Thank you for asking. Um, I don't really, I definitely feel, um, like I was really sick in 2017 and 2018 Mm. and I don't feel sick. I'm not Mm -hmm. always like, it's, it's been hard. It's been a hard year. Like as I was Ready to kind of, or getting ready to kind of take these steps to go back into the industry and, you know, um, kind of reintroduce myself to this industry, uh, COVID hit. So, you know, it's been hard to kind of once again be, uh, I guess, like knocked down, but um, I'm not unwell anymore. So I'm, you know, at least I can, I feel like I'm functioning as well as any other musician in my situation. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, before, yeah. I was, you know, sick.
1: Was was um, was releasing the music? Like we've talked to a lot of musicians who, you know, had stuff ready to go, and then they held on, and then some people just go, "Well, I got to release it at some point." I release mm-hmm. it now. I know the Foo Fighters did that, where they're like, you know, we might as well just get it out and put it mm-hmm. out. Um, was 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 getting this album out, like part of making you feel better, or?
2: Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Like, I think that. I think that I would have been able to answer that with a very clear yes, if the industry hadn't had collapsed, basically, you know, like, I think that it like, I also had a lot of and still do have a fair bit of baggage around some industry related things. And, you know, the idea of like, being able to do this completely on my own, was really healing for me, because there was a long period of time when I did not believe that. Um, and I really thought that I needed all these other people around me. Like I wasn't good enough or whatever. So in that way, it like even working with Dan and like, I had, I had this moment, uh, when we started working together where I was just like, like I had to relearn how to know what I liked. Um, because in the band I spent so much time, like I would, you know, come up with an idea or someone else would come up with an idea and then it would get filtered through like at least three people. And then if our manager was involved, then him. And then we had, we had two managers. So it was like, you know, the day-to-day guy, then the big picture guy. So it was like, you know, if they liked it and then the record label, like there was like an army of people to get through um, for an idea. So I like basically, didn't really know how to evaluate what I liked because I would, you know, like I said, like come up with ideas and then have a lot of feedback. So um, the idea of kind of coming up with something and being like, is this good? I have no idea. I lost that skill. So like that was really healing. Cause it was like, you know, it, it felt good to kind of learn how to rely on myself and rely on my own taste. Um, but the complicated part has been, like, you know, one of the reasons why I started the band was because I loved performing. And that was my favorite part of it. I loved touring. I loved playing shows. And that's, like, the only part of the industry that doesn't exist right now. So, you know, like, that has been a little complicated. Um, but it definitely has felt good to have the songs out and released. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so a thousand ways is your EP mm-hmm. um, Is there what five songs
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and bomb is the first one first single off of the
2: yep.
0: album uh, off of the EP and
2: also track one so you're accurate on both accounts
0: one and one mm-hmm. um and I think CBC also called it one of the most underrated songs yeah of the year that must have felt. Yeah gratifying
2: oh it felt awesome that's really cool you don't you never want to be overrated but underrated. No.
0: that's a double-edged sword isn't it what's that being overrated I mean if you're overrated that means you've made it somehow somewhere to a level yeah you know I
2: guess so yeah I think overrated implies some sort of like commercial success
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we want some commercial success I think
2: a hundred percent. But yeah. I don't want to be overrated in that way.
0: You don't want to be overrated that way. <laughs> no. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But tell me about the song bomb. Tell me, um, um, why is it, why is it track one? And why was that first song that, uh, that you released?
2: Um, I liked, I guess like, the reason why I picked it for track one is because musically, yeah, you know, if I can nerd out for a second, I just like I liked how it kind of built on this like pedal tone that kind of chugs in the beginning for the first eight bars. I don't know how many bars it is, but, you know, for the first like 30 seconds of the song well, not 30 seconds, but a chunk of the song in the beginning, there's no w- words or lyrics. It's just like um, it kind of builds and I liked the, um, like the, I guess like the metaphor of it kind of like exploding and being kind of like gritty and having this like dirty bass like distortion on it. And um, I kind of wanted it to be a bit of a smack in the face. So I was like, this is a cool song to start with. So that's why. What nice. was well, the second part of the question? I forgot. I'm sorry. I've been talking so much. I think,
0: no, that was the, I think that, I think that answered it. Okay. Um, But I, yeah, what is it, what does it mean to you, that song?
2: Um, well, I wrote it kind of in the midst of everything that was happening in 2017. And I was finding that I was, um, just kind of like very sensitive to, these like notifications on my phone, and like i' I'm a little bit that way still like i don't I'm not a big social media person, I find it uh gives me a bit of anxiety, so I don't know if that's like left over from that or I have no idea, but either way, um I kind of would would get some sort of notification, and then I would um just like like almost uh become dysfunctional. Like I would like ruminate on like how I was like a terrible person or like some sort of like really bad <laughs> thought. And I couldn't snap myself out of it. Like it was like this like uncontrollable thought spiral. And it felt like this like metaphorical bomb going off in my mind or my head or my emotions where it was like I just couldn't stop it. Like it was like this kind of um I don't know, explosion of, of something. And um, I was at the piano and I was like, I don't know, like, I, I I guess in that time period is when I kind of went back to, or like looked at writing, uh, there was a shift in how I looked at writing and it it became um, a coping mechanism. And I would just kind of write, like a lot of it, is garbage that will never see the light of day but there were like a few songs in there that um I really liked and bomb was one of them but it was like literally like I don't know how to talk about this so I'm just going to put it in a song and I know it's like so cliche but that was it was really helpful it was like oh, this is what all these, like, songwriters have been talking about forever, where, like, songwriting is healing for them. And I, like, you know, obviously there was an element of that in it before, but this was, like, really, like, stuff that I, I didn't really know how to articulate in any other way. Um, so that's, I guess that's how BOM um, kind of came about.
0: Nice. I love the distortion stuff thank you in that uh, the guitar I uh, yeah I really dig that it's really really cool
2: thank and you list- it's fun to play Sorry. with
1: and listening listening to the lyrics to some of the other songs it, like like just hearing what you were talking about there for bomb was the album like a cathartic experience as you're writing the lyric like it just it, yeah again I was listening to the songs earlier but then you talking about that I thought of like uh, it's wild woman or mm-hmm. yeah and yep. and uh and some of the other songs, yeah, yeah, they just seem really...
2: That's exactly what it was. And, like, there's a couple songs, like, Bomb, and there's another song, um, You Don't Know Who I Am. And, like, Um so my partner had, he's also a musician, and he had this, like, little beater guitar in our living room, and... um I am still not a great guitar player. I, you know, can play basic chords and all that stuff. Um, but for whatever reason, like acoustics, I I find the action just way too high. So this beater guitar was like a nylon string, like, you know, I don't know, $150, like, guitar. And I could play it. So I would um, just kind of sit in the living room and, and, and um, just play around with uh, – Like, right. Like I was, you know, kind of um, trying to get these emotions out. And uh, You Don't Know Who I Am is a song that that, um, started that way. But they're all through that time period. Like they're all Mm. from, uh, I mean, Wild Woman is the most recent one. I think that was in 2019 that I wrote it. But they're all kind of within the same, like, life experience the story i guess of those few years
0: meg when you write are you are you at the piano do you have a guitar notepad um, do you need to isolate yourself in a room how does how does your Sometimes, process begin
2: well, i okay. definitely so i have like a bit of um, a bit of experience doing like the uh, songwriting session thing i did a fair bit of that when i was in rep um and i enjoyed myself but I feel like right now I have a really strong desire to um write by myself I think it probably comes from the fact that I was co-writing with so many people for so long um and I uh, I'm definitely like enjoying writing by myself and it it sometimes I write at the piano sometimes I write with a guitar sometimes I write um like actually in my music recording software um like if I can't do it the way I want uh another song on the EP that was like um me sitting down at my recording software kind of like coming up with the synth part and then having the guitar and playing it together so like it kind of depends
0: okay you're working with I don't know if you're currently working with any artists at, at the moment but you you have um some I'm, I'm just curious you know who who have you been working with I know you've got uh, a band that's coming out with their first single this week.
2: Yeah, um, not a band, yeah. just a single artist.
0: Okay, T- tell, tell me about that. Who, who are you excited about uh, working so, with these days?
2: Um, well, I've done um, like a couple of different collabs, um, not necessarily songwriting-wise, but like with this EP, um, one of my best buddies is uh, this really gifted musician, creative person named Wild Black, and I met her on the road from Saskatoon. And the first time I met her, I was staying at her place. And she was, like, kind enough to put us up. And um, she... The
0: first time you met somebody, you stayed at their place. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you didn't date this person. This wasn't a one-night nope. stand. Okay.
2: Right. It absolutely wasn't. She was very <laughs> lovely and welcoming. And I don't... I think it was, like, maybe she was, like, a bit nuts to do it. Um, but I'm very <laughs> grateful for it now because we're, like... Best friends, so it All obviously right. worked out. Um, but she made the she filmed the video for Bomb, mm. and okay. um, and she also introduced me to the person that did the lyric video for Wild Woman, um, Stephanie Cruz, I think. Cruz is her last name, and I also collaborated with um, Paloma Dawkins, who did the lyric video for. Uh, if I can't do it the way I want, then I don't want to do it at all um but musically, I have um my client Virginia fudge is um putting out an e p next uh, in March, and the single's coming out on friday
0: awesome Hi. tell 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 me about her what what kind of music.
2: Man, we just had this conversation. It's really hard to, like, I know uh, for every artist, sometimes it can be a a struggle to figure out what kind of music it is. Um, But Virginia, like, especially is like such a gifted writer and uh, like a writer that I have never, I haven't worked with someone who writes the way she does. Like it's, it's, um, really like, uh, creative like I I the word that comes to my mind is cerebral but I I feel like that's like a bit of a douchey word so I don't want to use that word but like something that's like it's like textured like she has like really interesting textures and and uh like I guess like indie pop piano pop is like the best way to describe it um but it was super fun working with her and she was like very patient like I was very new to a lot of the stuff first time I, I tracked uh, an upright piano or like an acoustic piano was with her. And, um, you know, we tried like a bunch of different microphones and, and she was really lovely to kind of, uh, give me a lot of freedom, um, to kind of be creative and like put a lot of, um, like my ideas, mix them in with hers and stuff. And it was a really wonderful experience.
1: Where'd you record that?
2: In St. John's, all of it. Yeah. So we started working in the summer of 2019 And then, like, I would come back and forth a fair bit. um, And whenever I was home for more than a couple days, we would um, record stuff. And then I I mixed a lot of it in Toronto.
1: Uh Nice. So, Meg, one of the questions we like to ask our guests, and you might have already answered it, is what are you listening to What does
2: RPM mean? Sorry. What does (laughs)
1: RPM mean? Exactly. (laughs) KK?
2: I, I, I don't know.
1: I don't know what it means. <laughs> what's, what's in your earbuds lately? What are you listening to? What's, what's new? What's fresh? Oh,
2: like, what am I listening to? Um, I have my phone here. Oh, I'm always caught off guard by these questions because I'm not like an album listener. I'm like very much a singles listener and I kind of always uh-huh. have been, even though I think that makes me like a bad millennial. Um <laughs> Let me see here. I listened to, I really like the new um, Miley Cyrus, one of her singles. Um, to me, it sounds like almost like a, like a poison song stripped down. Like it has like this like kind of stadium rock vibe, but uh, in like an, a, like a, almost like a guns and roses song. I loved it. I thought it was so cool. Um, I love that.
0: She's put out a rock album.
2: Yeah, I think it's, that she's like pretty flexible. She can do a bunch of different
0: Yeah, her voice is so prime for like oh, just man. belting out a rock
2: tune. She's so good. Yeah. Um I loved WAP. Um let's see what else I got here. I'm okay, yeah,
0: look. you have to Meg. What Greg is like Greg is almost he's he's getting his his carp card, his Canadian his Association of Retired People card. Uh uh-huh. you you need to explain to Greg what the heck you just oh said. WAP?
2: yeah. Uh, I don't it. know if I can, but <laughs> <laughs> I can. no. The Cardi B, Megan. We Salmon? actually let
1: people swear on it, but I don't know if we actually want to go there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you <laughs> we're, don't we're know cool what swearing. I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, I love that song. <laughs> um, I also like. Uh, recently, got like into a couple wizard. of ghost. Was that me?
0: Sorry, that was that was me.
2: Oh, okay. I, I
0: apologize. <laughs> oh,
2: that's okay. Um, do you guys know Ghost, the like metal band? Like no, kind of, like um, I don't know if they're metal. I don't like that world. I don't. I don't want to like try and pretend that I. Yeah, I mean they're listed as metal on Ghost. On, um, Ghost, yeah. So there's like a couple of their songs that I've been like really into lately, and it's like. um really like incre- like i think yeah. metal music yeah. in general is just like all hooks and stuff and like there's like a bit of a of a mystery around who these guys are some people think that it, they're connected to like the uh swedish like pop production world like max martin and all that thing so yeah. i like i appreciate the backstory um let's see
1: ghost interesting ghost. yeah,
2: yeah so as, great- since i
1: googled it i i've yeah, i've listen to it Yeah, yeah i feel
2: like they've been on like a couple of late shows maybe um there's this really brilliant artist named arlo parks um and they released a single called caroline a couple weeks ago and i love that um i don't know man i'm like i'm like i i really am a singles listener and a lot of times i will like put on like the new music friday playlist on spotify or apple music and literally just if i have the time just kind of go through and see if there's like something i like so
1: nice
2: yeah sorry that was like nice. a very convoluted distracted yeah, that's great thank you yeah we always
1: like to we always like to find out what people are listening to so that you know all our 141th listener this is a throwback to the last podcast with chin and jetty where <laughs> announced that we are the 141th, but anyway, i I digress. Oh, I'll throw Craig. it back over to him. I'll <laughs> throw it back over to you, buddy. Meg, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. This was really this. fun. Yeah. yeah. Really. If fun.
1: people want
0: to um, dig into your music, find out more about what you are up to and the different bands you're working with, where, where can people go?
2: Well, all of my social handles are Meg Warren music or at Meg Warren Music. Um, and I actually try and keep on top of my blog on my website. All right. Um, but, yeah, I guess socials is probably the best.
0: What's your website? MegWarrenMusic.com?
2: MegWarrenMusic.com, yeah.
0: Perfect. Meg, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. All thank the you. best.
2: Thank uh, you. To
0: you personally, to your music. Um, yeah, looking, looking forward to seeing what you get up to next.
2: Thank you. This has been really lovely. It's been really fun. Thanks for having me, you guys.